0: Hey-ho, tutor minded people. I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. We're Tudor Time Machine. And this is Episode 50 of our podcast.
1: Thank you for listening. If this is your first time finding us on the podcast sphere, it's best to start at Episode 1. This is a story project, it goes in order, and we don't want you to miss any of the twists and turns. We're
0: really excited to be reaching thousands of tutor minded listeners from all over the world. We've had such an amazing time imagining this project and especially sharing it with everyone.
1: And if you're enjoying it, Support us. Buy some Tudor Time
0: Machine swag. Yes, go to our Tudor Time Machine Facebook page, hit the Shop Now button, and you'll see the items we have for sale. So get a Do You Tudor tea or a sweatshirt and support the podcast at the same time. In our last episode, we were in 1532 with Margaret and Anne and some explosive news, which we're not going to say up front in case you need to go back and listen. But in this section, we're returning to see how our two friends are managing as everything falls apart around them. After the reading, we'll have some fun discussing the history beyond our tale and making connections between then and now.
1: Read on, Jessie.
0: Chapter 50, The Poultry Compter, in which Lady Mildred forces a bargain. Constance lifted her head from the chest of her imaginary Rutland. There was Wynne going about some business or other. How could it be that the maid was busy and she was not? Wynne's industry rankled. Spending the entirety of her hours dreaming of Rutland and reliving sweet moments had been Constance's first choice for this new day of imprisonment. She was most wondrously in love. But how idle she was. She started, entering her cell Lady Mildred Cecil with two burly men in tow. God's blood! Was imprisonment cause for visitors never to be announced? She threw herself on her knees. What cause had this lady? To condone or to condemn? This is a false show, Mildred rapped out, her voice deep with anger, her face sharp. I humble myself to you, madam, lifting her eyes for forgiveness. Bow your head, girl. Your treason has brought death. Constance stopped breathing. It could not be true. Her simple actions could not have led to a loss of life. The Spaniard, chicken legs, the waterman, she had seen them all. Lady Mildred baited her in the cruelest fashion. "'It cannot be, madam. You misunderstand.' "'You charge me with a lack of understanding? Such hubris!' This oppressor wetted her tongue, clouding Constance's own memory. "'You understand. You understand all, madam, of course.' "'I understand a traitor who leaves death in her wake.' These accusations were wild. Her menial service did not warrant such persecution.' you cower behind a heretical errand, but those letters brought death. Constance's nature could not bear such a burden. Why did Lady Mildred press her? I beg you, gracious madam, I beg again, do not taunt me this way. I could not have caused a harm. Every jot of my poor body abhors it. I carried only the host, as I swore to my Lord Cecil. Admit your treason, noble lady. How can I deny you when I know the anger that will rain down? You wrong me, though I am humbled and without hope. I swear I am honest. Honest? To be carrying on with the Earl of Rutland while you harboured late night meetings with Charles Paget? Do you think to bring the Earl of Rutland to your side? Such arrows! These unjust wounds! To be thought so monstrous! She loved truly. Madam, it is not my wish. No, not, you need not. "'Please tell him not of Charles.' "'What a future, you promise for the Earl, "'locked away in an unsanctioned marriage. "'You damn him. "'Perhaps he too shall die.' "'Speechless Constance pressed her head to the ground. "'Lady Mildred strode over her skirt, "'brushing Constance's hands. "'You struck down the hand of kindness "'extended to you by Lady Clinton. "'She shall not help you now.' "'Wretched, Constance had nothing to grasp. "'Uncontrolled laughter fell out of her. "'She had done these terrible things.' She was a rat who bit and clawed. She did not know what she did. Through some mishap had she brought death to a soul? Lady Mildred raised Constance's chin with her foot. Mistress Constance, do you know how I discovered every errant choice? Her murky mind could barely make out the real person that was Mildred Cecil. The lady was a misty, grey monster before her, swirls rolling from her mouth. Madam, I cannot tell. "'Mistress Elin Snakenborg told me,' Mildred said in a strangely comforting tone. "'And do you know why she told me?' Constance answered miserably. "'So the Queen would favour her?' "'Indeed,' Elin told all she witnessed, and the Queen is grateful. "'She can hold nothing against her. "'Why did this terrible lady speak of Elin?' "'I did not cause the death of Elin. Surely she is well.' "'Mindless girl!' "'Not Elan. No.' Constance feared drawing the lady's eye. But she could not bear it. She had to know. "'It is not—not my friend from the city.' She could not even stand to think the name, and she felt the tears fall. "'Not my friend.' Did you think that dragging her into this swamp would lead to nothing? Why did Lady Mildred tinge her voice with sympathy? Hell could not be worse than this. Constance's mouth was wet, and she worked hard to form her words.' It cannot be. She knew nothing. She knew nothing of the tower, I swear it. It cannot be her death you lay on my poor shoulders. Oh, have mercy, madam. Relieve my misery. Elin Snakenborg told us everything she could. We love her for that. And if your aunt, Lady Stoner, should come to get you, and you, maid of honour to Queen Elizabeth, tell us what Lady Stoner sees and what she plans, we shall love you as well. Constance heard her own moan. I will, dear lady, I will. You are shown favor. Should you whisper to your aunt that we knew of your transgression in the tower, you shall find yourself back here and in the hole. To be arrested and released for attending a mass is not uncommon. Your aunt will celebrate your guile. Lady Stoner shall come for you, and how happy you shall be to see her. Constance nodded. But she did not raise her head. She felt a light touch. Mistress Arundel is sound. She is
1: nothing in these matters. What are the options of a person like Constance at this point? She has broken the law, and she really has no bargaining position. It's precarious.
0: Elizabeth Clinton was her champion. And Lady Mildred says Constance has gone too far. Lady
1: Clinton doesn't think she's worth the trouble. Lady Clinton, as we've said, has to protect her own place. She can fall out of the Queen's favor too. And historically, she did. Was anyone
0: ever entirely secure? Maybe the Cecils? William and Mildred? And Very possibly Robert Dudley were perhaps the safest.
1: Or maybe Elizabeth just considered whatever transgressions they had acceptable enough that she didn't act. Well,
0: that may be it. If she was pushed to it, she did take harsh action. I
1: think the Earl of Essex is the best example of that.
0: Constance has been on reckless course from the beginning. She's had a kind of it-will-all-work-out mentality. But I don't know if it ever could have worked out for someone who was Catholic, secretly going to Mass and secretly betrothed. It's just too many
1: strikes. (laughs) It's quite a lot of subtly in-your-face to the Queen because while the Catholic religion is complicated and the most obvious opposition to the Queen, the betrothal, as we well know, was a very strict thing and neither a maid of honor nor a lady-in-waiting could marry without approval from the queen and Constance does not have that.
0: No in fact she'd probably have the opposite disapproval because Elizabeth demanded that her women seek and get her approval and as we've said in other episodes that wasn't unusual that was not particular to Elizabeth. That didn't mean that Elizabeth hated other women or that she was jealous of other people's romances. She might have been those things, but demanding approval of marriages is not evidence of those emotions. That was standard. For all the reigns.
1: Exactly. Henry also expected to have approval. I think in some cases the Privy Council had to okay the marriage of a noble. And think, Henry was furious when his sister, another Mary Tudor, and his best friend Charles Brandon married without his permission.
0: Yes, and he was also angry about his other sister, Margaret, making a second marriage after her first husband, James V, died. And in the case of Mary Tudor and Charles Brandon, it was treason that they didn't get Henry's permission. And some of of the Privy Chamber wanted Brandon executed. I'm shocked that Henry didn't go along with that. He'd (laughs) love to execute his friends. (laughs) Why did he draw the line in this
1: case? But also it wasn't because he was jealous of Brandon and And his sister. sister. (laughs) You know, he wasn't jealous of their relationship. Frankly, Mary and Charles Brandon were able to negotiate because Henry had promised, and I guess he felt some obligation to this, he had promised his sister that if she married the King of France, who was very much older at the time, that she could marry whoever she liked if he died. And he did die. He did. He died right away. (laughs) I mean, as was kind of a little bit expected. And she didn't kill him like they showed in the Tudors. No, that did not happen. No,
0: and also because she didn't have a child, there was absolutely no reason for her to stay in France. Henry couldn't have insisted that she stay in France because they wouldn't have had her stay. She had
1: no standing. He sends his best friend, Charles Brandon, who had actually was not that high up. He'd only been given a duchy the previous year to bring his sister back to England because she couldn't stay.
0: But Henry also knew that the man she loved was Charles Brandon. So (laughs) what was he doing by doing that? He was either tacitly saying, you can marry him and then I'll go through the pretending being angry, or he was like tempting her. It's very bizarre, but... Technically, Mary Tudor was English royalty. She was going to come back to England to go into negotiation for another marriage. So another political alliance could be formed.
1: It's hard to know exactly what the plan was.
0: According to legend, Charles Brandon and Mary Tudor were already in love enough to risk the King's anger. Anyway, Henry always needed money and he decided the best course of action was to make some out of this misalliance. Yes. He fined his sister and Charles Brandon 24,000 pounds they paid it in yearly installments of a thousand pounds and he took mary's entire dowry that had been given to the king of france because when the king died and mary returned so did her dowry of 200,000 pounds and all her jewels were also returned and henry pocketed (laughs)
1: that. so i think this marriage worked out better for henry
0: But I guess he would have said, well, I could have made an incredibly important political alliance with you. You know, she had said if I do this for you this time, you'll let me marry the person I want to next
1: time. And no. he said yes. So. He certainly did behead men and women. So I think that could have happened. To Charles Brandon, at least. I don't think he would have beheaded his sister. If things had aligned a little differently, I think there was a lot of chance involved. Do you think he feigned all this anger so that he could keep her dower? I think he was temperamental and easily offended, And somehow he felt he was out of the loop. So I don't think he had to feign his anger. I think he was angry. (laughs) Oh,
0: no. But I mean, do you think it was some kind of, not feigned anger, but do you think he sort of puffed up the anger so that he could have a justification to not give her dowry to Charles Brandon? Maybe. Maybe. It's very conscious of what you're doing, but.
1: Which he doesn't seem to be. He seems to be very, I'm just doing something right now. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Elizabeth did fine people too. And she would banish people from court. Those are serious repercussions, but there were rarely deadly repercussions. Mm -hmm. She didn't behead any of her women, which is sort of an accomplishment. It is, if you
0: consider Henry and the 52 high-profile executions he ordered, many of which were, of course, very close advisors and very good friends, as well as some, what historians estimate, well over 50,000
1: executions of clergy and commoners. He really was a kind of despot. Yeah. He really was. And while Henry punished people for marrying without permission, the idea of Elizabeth's temper directed at her ladies has really stuck to Mm -hmm. her. And Henry is kind of a mythical figure.
0: I'd rather have Elizabeth yell at me than get executed any day. How about you?
1: (laughs) there's a whole series of women that people point to as Queen Elizabeth was angry at and perhaps treated badly. So Elizabeth Clinton was one of them. She lost favor. We don't exactly know what happened, but she was accused of frailty and forgetfulness. Maybe she forgot not to have sex with someone that <laughs> he wasn't supposed to have sex with. I don't really know. I think it
0: was probably something like that because I don't remember the exact story, but I think there was some kind of clergy involved who also said that she had done something bad so maybe it was something like that I'm afraid we don't know I'm not sure they really know exactly what it was so but the historical Rutland was in fact very familiar with Elizabeth's temper and the ramifications of an unapproved marriage
1: we still have a letter that Eleanor Bridges wrote to Rutland when the queen discovered one of her favorite ladies-in-waiting was secretly married without Elizabeth's permission which
0: of the many ladies who were favorites could that be? Haven't we established that every
1: single one has her own uh, claim, claim to the being the favorite? This particular favorite was Mary Shelton, Elizabeth's cousin, and she shared Elizabeth's bed as a role in lady-in-waiting she slept in her bed.
0: That was the way it was. Yeah, it very, doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't
1: mean anything. It was very standard. And when she went against Elizabeth. Elizabeth was perhaps genuinely upset or hurt. I don't know.
0: Sometimes you read people who kind of make this speculation that somehow Elizabeth didn't want her ladies in waiting to marry because then they would have their own families. But these women had their own families all the time and they were still expected to serve Elizabeth. It wasn't once you were married and had children you couldn't serve Elizabeth anymore. That's just not the way it worked. They left court to have their babies. They came back. Most of these women, in fact, were married and had children. It wasn't like Elizabeth was the grouch or the Grinch of like having a family. It wasn't like that at all. But Eleanor Bridges, in this particular instance, she wrote to Rutland, the Queen has used Mary Shelton very ill for her marriage. She hath dealt liberally both with blows and evil words and hath not yet granted consent. No one ever bought her husband more dearly.
1: Wait, I feel confused. Wasn't Mary Shelton with Anne Boleyn?
0: There was a Mary Shelton who was a cousin of Anne Boleyn and who was a contributor to the Devonshire manuscript that we've talked about in other episodes. But remember, there are only a few names. Mary, (laughs) Anne, Margaret, and Elizabeth. Those are the only names you're allowed to have in this period. So it gets very confusing. And to make it even more confusing, her mother, Mary Shelton's mother, was another Anne Boleyn. An Anne Boleyn that got to keep her head. But Mary Shelton, that became Mary Scudmore, was the niece of Mary Shelton, who was a lady-in-waiting to Queen Anne Boleyn. It's so confusing. (laughs) And this is another reason why when you see a painting and it has the name Anne Boleyn on it, they can't be 100% sure which Anne Boleyn it is or which
1: Lady Shelton it is. All these Mary Shelton's and the Anne Boleyn's are associated with court. And they are well With each other. And with each other. Yeah. And they could have had a portrait made.
0: What do you think happened when you called out, Mary Shelton, come <laughs> hither. And then like 16 people came. You think yeah. they all had like little nicknames? Some
1: people think that Auntie Mary Shelton... I'm already lost. That Auntie Mary Shelton had an affair with Henry VIII. Or her sister, Auntie Mary
0: Shelton's sister. Yes. Margaret, another (laughs) very, very original name that we've never
1: had before. But anyway, niece Mary Shelton, she got in trouble for marrying without Elizabeth I's permission. She married John
0: Scudmore of the 50 John Scudmores, because John was also a common name, in secret. And they were married for several years before Elizabeth discovered the marriage, which in some versions, Elizabeth was just completely enraged and broke Mary Shelton's finger before sending her away. I don't know. I'm I'm not quite believing she broke her finger.
1: You know, she wasn't a bar fighter. And the documents that are used to support this, which is, I think, a fairly big legend about Elizabeth sure. and
0: her horrible
1: temper. And I find the sources pretty suspect.
0: The most often cited one was written by Mary, Queen of Scots, who was in captivity at this point <laughs> under Elizabeth. I mean, she wasn't a big fan. And she wrote a letter saying... I've heard all these terrible things that Elizabeth did. I just don't think that Mary Queen of Scots take on Elizabeth is the one we should just assume is the most truthful.
1: Mary Queen of Scots is in prison and wasn't there. She didn't see it. So she's repeating hearsay at best. And whoever told her may have wanted to get into her favor. Right,
0: exactly. And, oh, I have some real gossip yes. about Elizabeth you're going to love it. Yeah.
1: And of course, she has her own reasons for wanting to portray Elizabeth as unhinged and brutal and getting a
0: truthful assessment is hard. It's really hard. And even though Eleanor wrote that it was so terrible, it really wasn't because within a year, Mary Shelton was back at court and had resumed her role as Elizabeth's bedfellow. Elizabeth lost her temper, but she regained it pretty quickly and forgave both Mary Shelton and her husband, John Scudmore. And he was back at court even sooner than Mary was.
1: It's just best if
0: the monarch likes you. Of course, and Elizabeth was never an ideologue. John Scudmore was a Catholic man and the two were married by a Catholic priest. So that's a pretty Catholic situation, particularly considering that Elizabeth was excommunicated from the Catholic church in
1: 1570. And the Catholic part actually doesn't seem to have even been in play for Elizabeth. That's not why she was angry, at least as far as we know, she didn't say, and you married this Catholic. right that never surfaces. John Scudmore went back to work for her and continued actually going to Catholic mass and they had children who actually they know were raised Catholic. And then John Scudmore and Mary Shelton, they seem to have been more or less happy. They had many children.
0: So. I mean, Elizabeth probably made them pay recusant fines. Right. You no, know, Mary may have been in the Goldilocks zone because both the Gray sisters married without Elizabeth's permission and it brought them both loads of trouble because they were so high up. They had their own claim to the throne. Mary Scudmore was not so high as to cause trouble, but not so low
1: as to be dismissed without a thought. Because when Mary Gray married Thomas Keyes, he was thrown into fleet prison. He didn't rate the Tower because he was only gentry, whereas Mary was put under house arrest. We've talked about the Grays before. Catherine Gray lived
0: her life in the Tower, and then there was Lettuce Knollys. Oh, that's a famous fury of Elizabeth. She married... Robert Dudley. And Lettuce also had to know that it would not go well for her.
1: That's true. And I don't like the summation that Lettuce was banished simply because of the two women's rivalry over Dudley. Elizabeth
0: had to act. Of course, Dudley was allowed back to court, but I believe Lettuce never came
1: back. She never came back.
0: And Elizabeth famously lost her temper when she learned about the marriage of Elizabeth or Bess Throckmorton and Sir Walter Raleigh.
1: Another pair that married secretly, they hid their marriage, which actually I think it wasn't that hard to do because the women just continued in service with Elizabeth. It's not like they, right. set it's up not a like a they got married
0: and had to then go and pick furniture.
1: Yes, but they didn't like <laughs> live together in a house or anything. No. And then she actually even had a child, and she hid their child. But supposedly when Elizabeth found it out, she sent all three, Raleigh, Bess, and the baby to the tower. Which is
0: harsh. You know, she also had to show she could control her courtiers.
1: It's true. And if you're just a regular person and two of your good friends lied to you about their relationship and hid it, it would be strange and upsetting. It's
0: true. Can you imagine Elizabeth spending all this time with them and Bess is hiding her pregnancy? Those events were in the Kate Blanchett movie, the second Elizabeth movie.
1: I enjoyed <laughs> that movie. But did they have to put Elizabeth in a full suit of oh, armor? Oh my
0: goodness. We can't go down that path. The idea of Elizabethan armorers building armor for Elizabeth, it just, I mean, it would never happen. And also, I have to say, I don't think Elizabeth would ever dress herself in armor like that because it's almost pointing to the fact that she's not a man. She used her sanctity as a woman. She used that to make her power. She didn't pretend to be a man.
1: In that movie, they did show Elizabeth losing her temper and hitting Bess, And that's kind of interesting because we usually don't allow women to be angry in movies. And in reality, she was angry and she never fully forgave them.
0: They didn't ask for it either. They never sued for pardon.
1: I mean, was it true love?
0: Maybe. There is a story, that is probably untrue, that after Raleigh died. Was beheaded. Yes, but he was beheaded not by Elizabeth, by James. And it was in 1618. But after his embalmed head was given to his wife.
1: His pickled head, because they love to pickle people's Yeah. Heads. <laughs> And supposedly, she kept it with her the rest of her life.
0: Yes, but how many times have we heard about that? People are always keeping these heads, right? I I mean, famously, Sir Thomas More, we've talked about his head being pickled and given to his daughter to be buried. No, I
1: think they really did it. No, I
0: think they really did it. I think it was something that people wanted, actually. And if you didn't get the head as a nice gift, you went and you stole it. Keeping somebody's pickled head... I think that's true love.
1: Oh, my. You know, Elizabeth sent Raleigh to the Tower a couple of times, but she absolutely did not behead him.
0: He was a little incorrigible, wasn't he? I mean, she would order people out of her sight, but it was within a sort of reasonable way to behave.
1: Appropriate. Yeah. It was appropriate to her station. You were safe as a courtier in Elizabeth's court as long as you didn't conspire against her. There were plots, and there were times when Elizabeth took very dramatic
0: action. I mean, the Throckmorton plot, the Babington plot, the Essex rebellion, Queen of Scots, famously.
1: But it wasn't whimsical. Mm. And with Henry VIII, it was just at any moment you could suddenly be under threat. But Elizabeth had Cecil with her through her whole reign Mm -hmm. until he died. And then his son took the position. I mean, you can't tell me that she wasn't fed up with Cecil sometimes.
0: You know, I have read some speculation that we sort of overestimate what a strong and powerful ruler Elizabeth was because she had all these incredibly brilliant men around her. I actually think it's completely the opposite. Part of a ruler's greatness is knowing who to delegate responsibility to and who you can trust. And I think that was the thing about Henry VIII is that he gave responsibility to people and then he turned around and undermined them or he grew furious at them and he executed them. And the fact that Elizabeth delegated responsibility wisely, I think is a testament to what a good ruler she was. So we know Cecil maneuvered behind her back at times, but I have a feeling she always kind of knew what was going on and she also used that to her advantage because then she could sort of let herself off the hook. She did famously with Mary, Queen of Scots. I didn't want to do it. They did it before I could- Stop it. Before I could stop it. She knew how to use that to her advantage. She kept her balance and You know, Henry didn't. Uh, He famously regretted losing both Sir Thomas More and Thomas Cromwell. At the very least,
1: I'm sure there were other people he regretted. But to be fair to Henry, while he did behead many people who were once advisors or friends, England was a country of laws.
0: Even though there were courts and formalities they had to go through, you know, to state the obvious, Henry gave nobles the chance to play deadly politics. Trials were really not exactly fair. There were factions, for instance, with Cromwell, because he had risen from the lower classes, or maybe because of his attitude about money, and maybe because he also had been responsible for encouraging Henry. Most nobles really despised Cromwell.
1: And Henry's changeable nature gave the courtiers opportunities to go after each other.
0: But it was always a dangerous opportunity, because if you got really close to him, he could turn on you really fast. If you kind of stayed out of the fray, I think you had a longer chance of survival.
1: And Cromwell is certainly no innocent. He used Henry's changeable nature to set the mechanics in motion that led to Anne's beheading.
0: Well, led to Anne's beheading, led to the five men who died with her beheading, led to the executions of all those clergy, and all the commoners who wouldn't accept Henry as the supreme head of the Church of England. So I mean, Cromwell had a lot of blood on his hands. Henry was vengeful, and he always thought he was being wronged. And Elizabeth absolutely had some of that. But mainly, she didn't play a super strong hand. She got what she wanted by waiting. And when things began trending in the way she wanted, she amplified that.
1: Cecil was not an off-the-rails guy, and neither was Dudley, as they sort of led the two factions at her court. Right.
0: I would think Dudley was more off-the-rails than Cecil. To be fair, Dudley was also caught in the middle of this sort of love thing with Elizabeth, you know, kind of robbed him of having the open, clear, sanctioned home life that Cecil had. Dudley was under a lot more pressure
1: that way. If you consider those two factions, the more measured faction of Cecil and the more rambunctious faction of Dudley, she really played them off each other.
0: Whereas Henry VIII was played. Well played. (laughs) I don't like it when people compare her temper to her father's and say they were the same. I mean, they were not, or even that Henry's temper became worse after he fell from his horse. There's a legend that he hit his head, and many people point to that to saying that's when his temper changed. But we see examples of his temper way before that. And additionally, the Spanish ambassador, Eustace Chapuis, wrote at the time Quote, on the eve of the conversion of St. Paul, the king being mounted on a great horse to run at the lists, both fell so heavily that everyone thought it a miracle he was not killed, but he sustained no injury.
1: The idea that he was unconscious for two hours came much later, and even if that were true, and actually it came out of Europe. It was again. It was kind
0: of like the fish got bigger. (laughs) Right? Like, well, he fell. No, he fell and then he couldn't see. He fell and then he was unconscious for an hour. No, it was two hours. I mean,. You know, he was not kind before the horse (laughs) fell on him. He had already done it in many people. Did he become more cruel over time? I think he probably did because he also became more physically uncomfortable over time. And I think that tends to make bad-tempered people more bad-tempered. Or is it possible that he just became able to manipulate the legal system more quickly because he was more familiar with it, so when he wanted somebody to be executed, he could just push it through faster?
1: Or. Was it that his factions became more able to quickly manipulate him and take advantage of his temper? Get him riled up. Yes, like know how to push his buttons. Mm -hmm. Anyway, in history books, it's so often emphasized that Elizabeth is pressured by her counsel. And it's always as if Henry acts freely and to his own mind. In fact, as you said, no, his factions, they are always playing him. Perhaps in history books,
0: it's also... That's also stressed because Elizabeth pretended a lot of times that that was the case to get herself off the hook. She emphasized that sometimes when they were decisions that she felt uncomfortable taking or didn't want to completely own. She sort of put it on her counsel. But clearly she wasn't in opposition to what they did because she would have gotten rid of them. And she really didn't. She stayed with the same people for a very long time. And truly, when they were annoying her, she dismissed them. Because when Elizabeth needs to behead someone, when someone really betrays her, she does. I mean, she famously beheaded the Earl of Essex in 1601. And I'm sure she did not want to do that, even after he had led a rebellion against her.
1: Being on the oppositional side of a war, it doesn't seem to have bothered them the way you might think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And all these ladies that were married behind her back, she had to punish them. And there were certain actions she had to take to be appropriate, to retain her power, to not be soft.
0: And if Constance marries behind Elizabeth's back, it will be bad for her and her family if she's caught, she will no doubt be banished from the court. End of story, right? And with her current
1: situation, finding any sort of person to speak for her will be impossible, sadly.
0: But the next episode, we'll see what happens when Constance is reunited with her
1: aunt. So join us next time for more Times Riddle and more tutor minded talk.